Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, welcome to the podcast of Island Conversations. Sundays, we're on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on KTA. KWXX and on B93B97, and we're on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo the following Friday. And you may always get Island Conversations wherever you get podcasts. Just search for Island Conversations or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. We have a big election coming up, and that is the election for Hawaii County Mayor. There are other things on the ballot for sure, but deciding who runs our county, who leads our county for the next four years, is a huge decision for us to make. The election day is November 3rd, but we are going to get our ballots between October 5th and October 16th, so we need to really start thinking about who we want during a continuing COVID-19 pandemic, probably reduced county revenues and a definite economic crisis, among other things. Today, we're talking with mayor candidate Mitch Roth. Mr. Roth has had some interesting career experiences, such as teaching English in Japan. He got his bachelor's degree from the University of Hawaii at Manoa and his law degree from Whittier Law School. He's been a deputy prosecuting attorney in both Honolulu and here on the Big Island. And for the past eight years, he has been the county's elected prosecuting attorney. Aloha, Mitch Roth. Aloha, Sherry. So, Mr. Roth, I've given the basic information about your bio, but tell us a little more about yourself. I'm curious about where you grew up, and then you told me something sort of startling when I talked to you the day after the primary election about your high school career. So tell us a little more about yourself and about your family. So I grew up in Los Angeles for my younger years, but in 10th grade, I dropped out of high school. I know your typical lawyer story. No, it's not your typical <laughs> lawyer story. How did you happen to drop out of school, and what did your parents say? You know, my mom and dad were divorced when I was at a young age, so it was when I was about four years old. And uh, my mom had just recently got married, and so she was kind of busy with her marriage. And um, it was just an interesting time where I dropped out. I actually was absent for a lot of days in school. And uh, there were some things going on, and I, I would write these notes. Uh, Mitchell was absent from school um, today because you know he wasn't feeling well, and then I'd sign my own name. And after a <laughs> you, while, you weren't that smart in tenth grade then. It was funny because I ended up getting suspended for forging my parents' names. I said, "Wait, wait, this is not a forgery. <laughs> this is my own signature." <laughs> So yeah, so I've, I've I've had some interesting uh, interesting times in my life where you know dropping out of high school at the age of seventeen I moved to Hawaii. Basically, I bought a one way ticket, and a couple of friends and I decided we're going to move to Hawaii. So I had two hundred dollars in my pocket. They were eighteen, I was seventeen, so they were able to go out drink at the bar. I was very lucky. I got a job at uh, Center Art Galleries within the first couple of days of arriving in Hawaii. I just would work because they were going drinking. I didn't have any place to go. So I worked. And the boss one day came to me and said, uh, you're getting way too much overtime. And I said, well, okay. So I continued to work. I just clock out. And the boss came to me a couple of weeks later and said, I heard you were here this week. And I said, yeah, but I didn't clock in. 
uh-huh. And I, I heard you were here late last night till about 10 o'clock. I said, yeah, but I did clock out at about 4.30. So he said, okay, what's up? And I told him the story, and he said, I'll tell you what, you can take care of my mom on the weekend, and I'll pay you. So I ended up doing that. So anyhow, so I ended up going from a stock clerk to an executive assistant, which was a really fancy title for the guy that got to buy lunch and drive the artists around and take care of them. And um, after a year, they said, you're going as far as you're going without an education. We want you to go to school. And I said, uh, that's great. But I dropped out of high school, ended up getting my GED from Kaimuki, and got into UH Manoa on academic probation, and graduated on academic scholarship. The people that denied me in as my family, they ended up going to prison. I know your typical prosecutor story. Wow. I ended up going to Japan, met my wife, decided I was going to become a lawyer and earn lots of money in Japan. Ended up going back to L.A. for law school. And while we were there, we had the L.A. riots, which are otherwise known as the Rodney King riots. I tried to volunteer in government with the sheriff's department and the police department. And they said, no, we don't need your help. And I quickly learned that common sense and government don't go together very well. But I did get a job working in the L.A. city attorney in their gang unit and really enjoyed that. It was the early stages of community-oriented prosecution. And so when I graduated from law school, I came back to Hawaii where I ended up starting community-oriented prosecution, becoming a deputy over there, worked for Keith Kaneshiro until he decided he was not going to run for office anymore. And so, uh, well, under Keith, we started this community-oriented prosecution, got a $300,000 grant. There was an election between a guy named Peter Carlisle and David Arakawa. Of course, I supported David Arakawa. We know how that ended up. But we started this community-oriented prosecution. We started Weed and Seed, and so... Peter Carlo came in, sent me over to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Jay Kimura called, asked me of, about coming to the Big Island. And I came and uh, haven't looked back since. It was the best job I've, I've ever had. And Jay was probably the best boss I've ever had in my life. Nice compliment for Jay Kimura. He was our prosecuting attorney for mm -hmm. many years. What exactly is community-oriented prosecution in simple terms? So in simple terms, community-oriented prosecution and community policing share a philosophy of building partnerships to solve problems. And so on this island, we started our weed and seed site. Which is what? Uh, it's a federal initiative where you weed out crime, seed in positive social change. has nothing to do with marijuana. Uh, it has to do with you know changing the community. And our site in Bahoa actually became a national model. They actually had me go around the country and talk about what we did. And what we did um, was we put the community in charge and we listened to the community. You know, in law enforcement, we often know what the problem is until we listen to the community. And what we did different is we listened to the community and we acted on what the community said. And a lot of the problems that we were looking at went by the wayside. And so that's why we're a federal model. And uh, we lowered crime in Pune, but we really decreased the fear of crime in Pahoa. Mm. And that's why it was so successful. Well, that's good. Clearly, we still have crime issues on the island, certainly in the Pune district. There's no question about that. Yes. But I want to ask you some questions about the mayor job. Running the county, as you know, Mitch Roth, is a huge job. Yes. If you become mayor, you'd have at least 2,500 employees. The budget would be close to $600 million. And when I talked with your opponent, 
Ikai Camarzo, he made it clear that he has no experience at running county government, and he said he would have to rely on others. Now, you have been involved with government one way or another for at least 20 years. 27 years. 27 years. You have had an elected job, which is county prosecutor, but the mayor has been responsible for running the county, so this would be a new experience for you. But it could be argued that you have too much experience in county government. And I look at the votes. There were 65,000 people who voted, and... 55,000 people did not vote for the incumbent mayor. So it was pretty clear that people wanted change. So the concern is, when we talk about having too much experience, some might feel that you're too entrenched in the way the county runs now. So talk about what you might want to do with the county that's the same or might be different from the way the county is being operated now. Clearly, county government cannot be run the same way it's being run right now. You know, there's a lot of issues, and I think that's why there were so many people actually running, is that many of us believe that we needed change. And, and I'm a big agent of change. If you look at what we've done in the prosecutor's office, um, it's not the typical prosecutor's office. As a matter of fact, we started programs that we were the first in the country, our restorative justice program, for example. We are the first prosecutor's office in the country to have started a restorative justice program in our office. And as we're looking at what's happening on the mainland, other prosecutors' offices are interested in what we're doing. We've done a lot of things. I've taken a lot of things uh, from my career as a community-oriented prosecutor, and we've worked that into the prosecutor's office. So we have a team of people that are not attorneys that are working on issues such as juvenile justice, um, domestic violence, sex assault. Um, we have a, uh, one woman who's working on a SAMHSA grant to work on drug abuse and collaborating people to work on drug abuse and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of things that we've brought into the prosecutor. We, we have our, our you know standard job as a prosecutor that we still do, but we've also looked at how can we change what happens in the future. One of the things, one of the, my favorite quotes is Wayne Gretzky. Don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where the puck is going to be. That's what makes a, a great hockey player different from a, a good hockey player. And so for juvenile justice, for example, we've, again, we have restorative justice. We have the Big Island Juvenile Intake and Assessment Center. We have um, Camp Agape that we've been very involved in. Not our program, but we've been helping in programs and like that. And what is Camp Agape? Camp Agape is a camp for kids whose parents are incarcerated. Um, we've been looking in things um, that have to do with adverse childhood experiences or ACE scores because we know that the more of these ACE scores that kids have, the more likely it is that these kids are going to be getting involved in crime as adults. And as a result, one of the things that we're looking at is in the last eight years, our juvenile crime has gone down by more than 50%. Oftentimes, the public doesn't understand what's going on. For example, this year, we've had a lot of talk about missing children. And when we focused on what was really happening with missing children, we're looking at actually runaways because the police were publicizing runaways as missing children. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think it's a really a good thing because when people are looking at missing children, if that child walks in the doors, um, it's going to get your attention. And, uh, you know, the police have since changed and now they're, they're talking about runaways. Right. But and that's what Assistant Chief Wagner said. We actually have only one missing child on the island, and that's little Benny Raposa, six, who sadly is believed to have drowned, not, not considered a right. foul play kind of thing. Anyway, go on. But, but it's really interesting. If you... 
if you look at what the public's perception was this year, the public's perception was they thought that there was just a whole bunch of missing kids. But when you bring the facts out, in 2008, there was 853 missing children, 853 runaway children. The first six months of this year, we had 150. That is actually not going in the wrong direction. It's going in the right direction. But we took some procedures and the police did some things to try to even bring those numbers down lower. So there's a lot of really positive things that people, you know, we haven't been doing a great job of advertising the things that we've done, but the facts are the facts. Mitch Roth, my question really was, though, how are you going to change the way things are working if you are mayor? You know, and I understand in the county no. prosecutor's office, you have approached things in a very different way. But let's translate this to mayor. As mayor, we, we intend on doing things differently as well. You know, one of the things that I have, uh, my vision is to uh, create a vibrant Hawaii and a vibrant government that helps people thrive and succeed versus permitting them to exist. You know, I have three children. They all live on the mainland, and many of our children are having to live on the mainland because we don't have quality jobs and we don't have affordable housing. How do we change things like that? One of the first ways you change that is you look at the permitting process, some really specific things that we can do to change the permitting process. Everybody talks about it, but you, you really have to have specifics. Reduce the amount of time it takes. How do you do that? putting timelines. As a prosecutor, if I charge a murder case, I have a time period in which to get that case through the system unless defense asks for continuance or there's some other things that toll the time. You know, it shouldn't be more difficult to build a house than try a murder. So a timeline. <laughs> if you have a timeline, I don't think you need to change the laws to do that. You, it's a policy. If people aren't following the policy, they could be written up for that and so they can be held accountable. One of the problems that people tell me is that people very rarely are, are held accountable. Second thing that we can do is when you're being asked, when you're putting your plans through, we can have a one bite at the apple rule for government. And the way that works is you bring your plans in and they tell you to change A, B, and C. What happens oftentimes is you bring your plans back, you've changed A, B, and C, and now you're being asked to change D, E, and F. And then, you know, the, the next set of things. Um, and that's that, very much been a complaint of everybody that I've ever talked to. Right. So if we have a rule that says that, you can hold people accountable to that rule. Meaning and the people inside the county make, who, inside the county. who help make those decisions. Right. So that's another specific. You know, the way that our rules are being interpreted, we're interpreting them with the most restrictive means oftentimes versus the black and white letter of the law. You know, one of my, my advantages as an attorney, I know how to read the law. I know how to interpret the law. And some of the things that people have been bringing to me and I've been looking at have been just just crazy. It's, you know, we don't want to do this. Um, we need to make changes. I, I was looking at a subdivision that was being planned for the last 10 years right here in Kona, and I was talking to the developer. And they've gone back for changes over the last 10 years about 50 times. The idea for that subdivision was affordable houses for teachers, police officers, firefighters, normal people like you and I. And that 10 years equals time, that time equals money, and that money makes affordable housing not affordable. So we need to take a look at making some real changes. In the prosecutor's office, 
the one thing I tell people when they come into the office, the culture is I expect you to treat people the way you want your family members treated. That goes for people in the office. That goes for people outside the office, our witnesses, our police officers. But it also goes for the defendants and their attorneys. Not that they get special deals. It's just that that's how we need to be treating people in government, like you'd want your family members treated. We need to think of ourselves as a business. And if you're a business owner, you have customers, clients, or guests. You know, the government needs to treat people that way. If if, if you are in business and you treat um, people the way the government's been treating people, uh, you'd be out of business. We have to think of ourselves in that respect and treat people like customers, guests, and clients. How is that going to be changed? How would you change it if you get into the mayor's position? You know, I think one of the things in leadership is, is how you look at your job as a leader. Um, we have cabinet meetings, and oftentimes the mayor will be up there and talking to a classroom, and, and, and that will be it. I have executive staff meetings, and in my executive staff meetings, I go around the table, and I, I want to know what's happening in their division, what needs to happen with other divisions, um, what's going wrong. The number one thing I want to know is find someone else in this organization that's doing something great. That's the most important thing for me to know. Why is that? Well, that gives a couple of things to happen. You know, I can say, you know, Sherry's doing a great job over here, and she works for POMI, and, and now POMI is going to come to you and say, hey, Sherry, Mitch said that you are doing a great job, and I've now done two things. One, I've built capital and trust with POMI and you. I've built capital and trust with you and I, but now I've told you what I want to see. And, you know, I don't see a lot of that in government where people are being told the great things that they're doing. We need to focus on those great things and encourage those things to happen. You know, before I was the prosecuting attorney, I can't remember a single person in my career as at the prosecutor's office that won the county employee of the year, the county supervisor of the year, or the county manager of the year. In the last eight years, we've won and awards awards in all of those categories. Really? Not every year, but yeah. In nice. fact, uh, we you you just elected uh, Keldon Walchin as the prosecutor last year. He was the county employee of the year, not just the county the employee of the year for the prosecutors, but he was the county employee of the year because he did things like many of the deputies there do. But you know, I, I thought it deserved mentioning that uh, over three hundred hours of quality overtime unpaid overtime every year took you know the initiative to do things i can say without blinking an eye right now i believe the people that work for the prosecuting attorney's office are the hardest working employees in the county i have the opportunity of working with a lot of great people it's just a culture that i think we've have in that office where people look out for each other people are trying to do the right thing under a situation where you know, it's really difficult. You know, especially now we have a Supreme Court ruling that's going to be letting people out. We have objected to that. But today and yesterday, I've had people working all night, you know, working on motions to object to a lot of these things. That being the case, I don't hear a lot of people complaining today. I see people that are they're mission bound. It doesn't matter if they're an attorney. They could be clerical. They can be someone in, in fiscal 
It's a team. And that's how you change the culture of government. That's what we need to do. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. We are talking today with Hawaii County Mayor Candidate Mitch Roth. Just a heads up, I'm going to have the opportunity to have a conversation with Mitch Roth and his opponent, Ikaika Marzo, together on Thursday, September 17th. The West Hawaii Forums Group is sponsoring the forum. It will, of course, not have an audience because we're in COVID-19. You will be able to get it at the Facebook page for West Hawaii forum group and it will go from 5 p.m. until 7. More detail on that when we have it. Next week we'll be talking with Dr. Kimo Alameda who heads up Bay Clinic, one of our community health centers on the east side of the island. Before we get back to Mayor Candidate Mitch Roth, a word from our wonderful sponsor, KTA Superstores, ready to serve you here on the Big Island with seven store locations. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. Mitch Roth, we have seen from time to time somebody who moves from one department in the county into a higher management position Mm -hmm. and they are unable to let go of that previous job that is an understandable situation but it leads to the leader being unable to actually do the job to which they were either elected or assigned are you going to be able to leave the county prosecuting job behind you're very proud of everything you've done you love your employees are you going to be able to focus on the job of mayor or are you going to dabble in county prosecutor work i'm hoping that i don't have to dabble at all in the county prosecutor's work you know for the last couple of weeks now I've been trying to do what, what I can to make sure that Keldon Walchin is able to take over the prosecutor's office in a seamless flow. Um, he's been coming to my executive staff meetings. Okay, um, but this is what you're doing to help him. Are you going to leave it alone? And I only say that because I'm seeing right now it happens when a leader sort of stays in their old job and the, everything else does not get done. The great thing about the prosecutor's office is that is an elected position. <laughs> And the mayor really doesn't have authority over the prosecutor's office. And uh, so I'm doing what I can now to make sure that there's a great transition training, uh, Keldon. My leadership style, I don't have to be involved with everything. You know, a lot of things that happen, happen at the hands of the supervisors. And, um, you know, they, they have autonomy to make their own mistakes. I tell people it's okay to make mistakes. Just... Make sure you learn from those mistakes. And so right now, um, I'm taking off a lot of time. Del Ross is filling in as the prosecuting attorney when I'm gone, and she's doing a great job. I've been seeing some of the motions that she's working on. I've seen some of the decisions that have to be made in the office. I've been completely okay with just about everything. When when I disagree with some of those decisions, I'm, I'm able to talk to them, and they're able to explain to me uh, why the decisions were made, and I've been completely okay. I haven't had anything that, you know, in the last year, because there's been a lot of work this year, that I've really had too much disagreements with. Mitch Roth, if you become mayor on December 7th, the first Monday in December, what would your top priorities be? 
So I have a couple of top priorities. One is to change the culture of government, change the philosophy of government to a government that helps people and businesses thrive and succeed versus just permitting them to exist. So that goes into the permitting process. And I have a plan on making changes there. I kind of gave you some of the ideas on doing that. Knowing how the unions work, I'm you know planning on making sure that those kinds of rules are easy to implement and make positive change. Uh, one of the things we're looking at is COVID recovery. In talking to people at the county government, I haven't really seen a COVID recovery plan, and I haven't seen a lot of input from outside sources. And so one of the things I've already started to do is I've started to reach out to the chambers of commerce and to you know different people to start discussing what they would like to see coming as a recovery plan. Great ideas don't come from one person. They come from groups of people. And so I've already started to reach out to them to start working on that. Another thing that we're looking at, and I've said, is we want to have a sustainability um, plan, but we want to have a a sustainability summit set up um, within the first 100 days. And so I've also started reaching out to people who are working in sustainability to help build that summit and what that vision would be for that summit. I have a vision. Well, what is sustainability? What are you talking about? Sustainability comes in different forms. There's, of course, food sustainability. Um, there's sustainability in, in energy. We have to be off of fossil fuel before 2045. We have sustainable environment. You know, What are we going to be doing with our, our landfills? What are we going to be doing with um, wastewater? What are we going to be doing with sustainable jobs or sustainable tourism? So there's a whole bunch of things that I think about when I think about sustainability. Um, But if we're going to set the stage for a sustainability summit within 100 days, um, I want to make sure that that's not just what my vision is, but a collaboration of different people's visions. Because I've learned in problem solving that when you put other people in the mix and let them come up with the ideas, they're going to come up with much better ideas than you have. You can give them the starting point and then let them kind of work. And so I have people from West Hawaii and East Hawaii working on that. There's some CIP projects that we're, we're really interested in getting going, especially C- here. CIP is Capital Improvement Projects, capital improvement meaning like pro- building roads, things, roads. Roads and things. You know, We want to make sure that people are back to work. We want to make sure that we have our shovel-ready jobs moving forward. One of the biggest ones deals with right over here in Kona, bypass road, and making sure that there's connections from Ali'i to the upper road. And so there are plans. I heard in one of the debates, Harry Kim say that there's there's some ideas that they're supposed to move through. I want to make sure that that particular plan is moving through because in talking to people in Kona, that's a huge issue. If we can get that done, that would be pretty spectacular, especially if we can get that done within, or at least get it moving within the first year. How would you select a team? You would need a managing director who mm-hmm. is sort of like the vice mayor, as I term it, not the, not the mayor of vice, and you will also need department heads. How are you planning on selecting those? So, you know, I'm still looking for qualified people. So if there's people who are listening, uh, please send me your resumes. I've reached out to some people to plant seeds in their heads. One of the ideas on doing this is we'll have hiring a panel to do interviews. They'll make recommendations to me, and then I'll make selections from there. So they could be the incumbents in the director positions now, or they could be new people? It's possible. 
possible that they could be some incumbents. I have not made any promises in that way. Um, I think there are some departments that absolutely need changing, and I'm not going to get into to which ones those are. But yeah, it, it, it's possible, but I'm looking for the best people to fill those positions. The current mayor really does feel that most of the county departments and department heads belong in the county seat, which is Hilo. What's your thinking about that? You know, I think we have to have department heads from all over, but that's not going to be the final check. I would personally prefer to see some department heads actually from Kona because there are some departments that are so sucked into their culture that you're going to need to change where the head is. I think that there is a good possibility that you will have department heads from Kona um, you know, when I ran for prosecutor, when I became prosecutor, I made it a point to have a first deputy from Kona, Dale Ross, who's my first deputy for the last eight years. And for a while, she was the only vice department head that was from the Kona side. I think it's important to have people here. But the other thing is in management, one of the things that Billy Kanoi did that I thought was a really good idea is the mayor and the department heads would regularly show up in Kona. And I think that's really important in talking to people um, there's a lot of people that feel that they've been really um, put on the side. Uh, and it gets worse when you get to places like Kau and North Kohala. Uh, we need to be everywhere. Uh, one of the ideas that I'm looking at is something we did in 2000 called the CEO Project, which was Community Empowerment Organization. And what we did with the CEO was we hired kind of on a really part-time basis facilitators from each district and we taught them facilitation skills we taught them problem solving skills they met with the communities they came up with solutions for problems they bring those solutions to the mayor and to the department heads and they would listen to those solutions and they would say okay can we do it and uh, you may remember Ann Peterson um, I do remember Ann Peterson so I was uh, I was walking with uh, Tina Clothier the other day. She was showing me this path off of Lockwood. And I said, I, I kind of remember this. The Walua Path? The Walua Path. Wow. I believe that was part of the CEO project. That was one of Ann Peterson's projects that she's done. Well, Ocean- Ann Peterson lives on Oahu now, and I know she listens to Island Conversations. Oh, I love her. So she'll, we, we- <laughs> she'll be glad to know that she's still thought of. And then down in uh, Ocean View, they built a park. It was the community that, that brought that problem together. Um, and Barbara uh, DeFranco and Louise Wynn, they, they had South Kona, and they had some great problems. They, they, we dealt with drug houses. And Lonnie Bowman in um, North Kohala, um, she had some, some great things. And Donnie Sheather in, in Wyoming. It's funny that I'm, you know, all these names are coming back to me. They all had these great community product, projects. And um, as I've been running for mayor, I kind of forgot about the CEO project, but I thought, wow. What a great way to reunite the community and get the community involved in problem solving. The other thing that happens, which I intend to happen, is to bring the cabinet members to places like North Kohala to listen to these problems from the communities and these solutions. 
Um, I don't think that's happened in the last four years. No, Mayor Kanoy did that. He yeah. did meetings all around the island, but... <laughs> course it's been a kind of busy time 2018 the lava flow and now we have covid the budget mitch roth is going to be a big issue right now we have a budget that's pretty much set in stone for the next year but i don't think that's going to hold because i think that our general excise tax will be down i am positive that our gasoline tax will be down because we're not driving so much the transient accommodation tax which some call the hotel tax mm -hmm. that's probably going to be down and i don't know about property taxes which is the biggest part of the budget right we're probably going to have to cut the budget how are you going to do that well you know there's several things that we're looking at of course one of the things that the council brought up last week was the hiring freeze i think that's probably going to be a good idea um, coming in really doing some assessments of what's needed, what's not needed. You know, I was doing an interview, and one of the things I, I talk about when you're cutting the budget is actually talking to people at all levels of government, not just the department heads, but the people that are down below, and ask them for their opinions on how you can make changes that will save money. I brought this up in one of my union interviews, and one of the interviewers said, wait, you're going to do that as mayor? I've worked for this department for 12 years, the department directors never come and talk to me. You're going to come talk to me as mayor. And she told me that, you know, there's stuff that they buy for us that we don't need. They schedule people when we don't need them. They don't schedule people when we do need them. So I think by talking to people, we're going to find some things out. By having a more vibrant uh, island, both economically, um, we're, we're going to be a little bit more friendlier to businesses. If businesses are succeeding, then they'll be able to help bring money in. Um, and then we have to look at diversifying our economy. So there's some areas in diversification, whether it be agriculture, whether it be renewable energy, whether it be entrepreneurial incubators and accelerators. So there's different ideas that we're looking at there. And finally, we need to make sure that we're getting all of our allotted grant funds. And when I say that, what I mean by that is this, is um, there are agencies in the county government who have left earmarked grant funds on the table. I was in Kauai a couple of years ago talking to a friend of mine who worked for their county, and she was telling me that your county left millions of dollars on the table. And in talking to our director, he just said it was just too much work to do. Wow. Um, the prosecutor's wow. office, yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> shocking. The prosecutor's office, on the other hand, we have a budget of about $11 million. About $3 million of that comes from state, federal, and other grant funding. You know, some of that funds are kind of earmarked, but there's grant funds that we've been out there and we've been, you know, hustling for. The county needs to, to be hustling for those funds that are earmarked, but also in competitive grants, we need to do that. And so one of the ideas is to create uh, a cadre of grant writers that can actually go after those funds. None of the county agencies, I believe, has people whose job it is to write grants. In the prosecutor's office, uh, it's people like Dale Ross, Lisa Faulkner Inouye, Lee Lord, myself. Um, there's, I mean, there's several people, uh, Jan Maria Zorio, that are helping in the grant writing. Susan, Susanna Tiapula. I mean, we got, we got a, a bunch of people that it's not their primary job, but they're looking out and trying to find money. So we, can do that so we can do that you know, I'm hoping that will help, but we may have to do furloughs. I'm not I, saying that you know is the the plan up front, but if we have to, 
um, it's something we may have to do. It just depends on where we're at, how much money we have. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't have control over the state funds. Um, that's the, the the governor, and we know that the governor's looking at making huge cuts, and he may be putting in things that may cause us to do that. Hopefully we can do some of that through attrition, though, and other measures. There is a large issue on the island, and that is what's going on right now up at Mount Kea. And I say going on right now because although apparently the formal protesters are no longer formally protesting, there are a lot of tents and things up there, and people have a lot of different issues they're addressing. What is your vision, Mitch Roth, for how we're going to get through this issue of 30-meter telescope and Mount Kea? But, you know, let me turn this question on you for a second, because a lot of people um, have some really deep-seated issues. You know, some people think that if we don't do this, uh, then, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to have any business. And some people say, if you do this, you're going to be desecrating the land. Um, I, I think there's a, a place in between there, because um, not everybody is, is who's protesting is protesting for the same reason. Personally, I believe that Mauna Kea brings us a lot of economic and educational opportunities. But I'm going to turn the question to you and, and ask you this, Sherry. What is it that the mayor can actually do? Mauna Kea state jurisdiction. The agencies that are up there um, that are in control of Mauna Kea are state agencies. Meaning and, like Department of Land and Natural Resources and Department of Hawaiian Homelands. And the University of Hawaii. And the University of Hawaii, yes. Um, and even the enforcement is state enforcement. So, you know, what is it really that the mayor can do? My answer is this. The mayor can listen to people, bring people together to the table. It's not the mayor's job to uh, enforce the law. I mean, a lot of people are saying that they're going to enforce the law. I don't even know how the mayor would enforce the law because it's not his jurisdiction. The prosecutors get to prosecute these cases that are, that are made, um, but it's not really the mayor's job to enforce the law. He can put, you know, police up there to back up doe care officers. Who are with the state. With, with the state. And it was actually all the arrests were made were made by state agencies. The police officers were up there for crowd protection and, and everything like that. So really, what is it that the mayor can do other than bring people together have open, honest discussions. And I think that that's really one of the big issues is that we have not been listening to people. We haven't really been trying to solve some of the issues. And there's some really legitimate issues up there, the Ahus and the Evies and, you know, the bones and, and the monuments that were taken down that we've never really put closure to. We've never really done anything about. I think if you look at the common grounds, you try to fix some of the, the problems in the past, there is a way forward. You know, when we did Pahoa Weed and Seed, they told us that you're never going to be successful in Pahoa because those people can't agree on anything. And yet it was one of the most successful weed and seed sites in the nation. The reason why we were successful is we found common ground. And I think there's a lot of common ground that can be found at Mauna Kea, specifically if you're for TMT, if you're against TMT, or if you don't even care about TMT and you have kids, I can almost guarantee that you'd want the ability for your kids to raise their children here on this island. Let's start with the common ground. How do we make that happen? And then find solutions that go forward. 
Mitchroth, what are the things that you will want to talk more about when we do have an opportunity? What are the things that you'll want our listeners to understand before we get to our kind of closing question? Well, you know, I think it's going to be really important moving through. We have, you know, with COVID, we're not done with COVID. But even if we're coming out of COVID, um, you're going to need to have a mayor that understands how government works. Because there's a lot of things that can happen if you're on a learning curve. We're going to need to act, and we're going to need to act quickly. So understanding how procurement contracts work, understanding how you know uh, civil service works, uh, understanding what the job of everybody in your cabinet is, and what you know what they're actually there for is really important. Where to find those answers? Having been a department head, having worked in county government for many years, I have you know a little bit of an advantage there as an attorney. You know, some of the solutions are going to be coming through the law. How we're interpreting our laws are really preventing our island from thriving and succeeding, preventing people from really raising their families here, putting food on their table. As mayor, understanding the law will help you enact certain laws, will help you focus your departments where they need to be focused. And finally, you're going to need an innovative problem solver that, you know, has real-world experience making changes in government. That's one thing that I have that really very few of the other candidates had. You know, I've started different programs in the county government, whether it be the restorative justice, our sex assault team, the uh, VASH, Weed and Seed, all those things. I have that ability. And so coming out of COVID, we're going to need to understand how to do these things. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I have going for me. I'd like to just ask you as a final closing question for people who are going to be voting. You know, they're looking at Ikaika Marzo, who really earned his reputation during the 2018 lava flow by really stepping in and helping people who felt the county was not providing the support. So, you know, he's got a, a reputation for that. What else should people think about when they look at you as a possible mayor versus Ikaika Marzo? A lot's been talked about arranging and coordinating community. You know, during the lava flow, I was also very involved with the lava flow, not just going to civil defense and interpreting the laws, but every month I have a group of faith leaders that come together and we talk about different problems. During that lava flow, we brought our faith leaders together and we put butcher paper around the room and I asked, what is it that faith can do during this? And the faith leaders came together and they fed tens of thousands of meals. They helped build small houses. They did manpower. They had entertainment. They helped people with transporting their goods in and out of Leilani Estates. They provided laundry, over like $10,000 of Mm. laundry for people that were living in the shelter. They had faith-related spiritual healing. So the faith leaders, we met every week with them, and it was really amazing to see how great it was, you know, faith working together we had Jews, Christians, Catholics, Buddhists, <laughs> um, all, all of God's people were working together and without any strife between them. Oh, that's nice. And unfortunately, <laughs> the big complaint was where was government coming over there? So I kind of understand what was happening at the hub, but we also, I also had something that was going on and it was organizing that group, helping to facilitate and make that group happen. And there was other things that I was able to do. So it's not something that gets a lot of airtime because I was helping that group. It was a we thing, not a me thing. 
Interesting. And actually, I wasn't expecting that as the answer to my question, but I do understand why these other efforts came about. And in Nkaika's case, I certainly don't disagree with some of his um, comments about not getting communication out there. And I guess that would be my final question for you, Metroth. How would you communicate with people in this community in a same or different way than what's going on now. What's going on now is we have COVID-19 and communication is absolutely critical to understand where we are. But in general, what's going to be your communication style? Well, you know, one of the things I've done during this campaign is I've had a, a talk story generally on Thursday nights where people ask me any kind of question. I really like that. And I think it's something that I'd like to do on a regular basis, be really transparent and just take the questions, kind of like what we're doing now. You know, you ask me questions, <laughs> but people are able to go online and, and ask those questions, have a, a live question and answer period. I think, you know, the other thing that happens right now is there's kind of like a funnel of information. It doesn't just come out. I'd rather have the information come out, and if there's mistakes that need to be cleaned up, let's clean up the mistakes. But information is timely. If it's not timely, then there's a vacuum. And really, that's what happened. There was a vacuum that got filled. All right. Current County Prosecutor Mitch Roth, mayor candidate, thank you so much for your time. Aloha. Thank you, Sherry, and aloha. To our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Till next time, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.